0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Black Chain Podcast. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about the change in the market, uh, which kind of dovetails a little bit off of what I said in my last podcast, kind of predicting an end to the bear market. And it looks like that may uh, have been the case given the price point that we are today. But I'll talk a little bit about the market in general. Um, touch on some aspects of uh, stable coins, including DAI, uh, which I find is, is an interesting concept, not necessarily... Uh, That interesting from, say, uh, a speculation point of view, but definitely an interesting um, coin with Maker as far as decentralized finance. So I'll touch on that a little bit and uh, then talk a little bit about Binance Chain, which just launched their mainnet, I believe, recently. I think their uh, mainnet is launched and just kind of the idea and the thought process behind that decentralized exchange. It's not the first decentralized exchange uh, that's been out there, but... Um, It is Binance, and it does present some kind of interesting aspects overall. And then I'll touch briefly, very briefly, on the Bitcoin uh, cash, Satoshi's vision uh, fork of Bitcoin cash. And if you're not familiar with that drama, then you're not uh, deep enough in the crypto world. But it's drama, and I won't talk too much about it because it's not that interesting. But uh, the developments are kind of interesting around that. So... Let's start off first with the uh, current state of the market. So as I mentioned, it does look like the bear market is over. I think I can pretty confidently say that, and that's based on a number of factors, including you know price action, support points, sentiment. Uh, like I said in my last podcast, I don't think we're going to visit the 2000s um, and potentially not even the 3000s at this point. Uh, anytime soon, at least, unless something major changes. And it does feel like, you know, there's more activity. The the blocks are, uh, for Bitcoin are filling up. There's some action in the Lightning Network, you know, still, in, in my opinion, um, in a development stage. People are still using it. You can use that network. And so there are some good developments there. There are some also uh, regulatory developments in different places in the world and uh, things of that nature. So overall, I, I do feel... Uh, bullish on Bitcoin. I do feel bullish on crypto overall. The only caveat I would put there is, uh, what is the proper value of any of these assets? And I'm currently writing an article, kind of outlining the parameters for valuation and how to assess those. And maybe I'll talk about those in a future podcast. But hopefully, I get to uh, publishing that information, and and uh, it would probably multiple posts and multiple publications because it's a pretty complicated topic that I don't. I, I continue to think that people have not. Uh, appropriately assessed. And, you know, sometimes you also just have to rely on the market to help you figure out what price is, but you also want a, a rational market. So uh, d- different different topic, different day. But overall, I, I guess what I'm looking at, Bitcoin and the crypto overall, it has been in a, a uptrend since the last podcast several weeks ago. It does look like that trend is uh, going to stay around. I don't see panic in the markets. I don't see liquidation in the markets from any of the big players at this point. I see, you know, uh Bitmain who produces the ASIC miners for uh, uh Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, it seems like they have consolidated their offering a little bit. They may still be in, you know, some financial trouble uh to a certain extent, but I they did reduce their staffing um and they are putting out some new Bitcoin machines. And so that's, you know, a good sign too that some new hardware's coming online, that people are buying it, that it is selling out. Uh, So those are all good signs. So without kind of belaboring it too further, I do feel like crypto is in a decent spot right now, barring, you know, the the idea that this whole market could be overvalued in general. Um, Assuming that it's not, then I think we have uh, some room to march a little bit higher um, with the uh, next several months becoming, you know, very interesting to see where things go. I'm not sure we'll see, you know, a crazy mania like we did before, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, uh, Bitcoin reaching 20,000 in the next couple of years and another kind of manic phase. It's, it's just kind of really difficult to assess that because the markets are not regulated um, particularly well all the exchanges around the world there are some obviously that are regulated there's a lot of trash volume you know fake volume if you will uh, that uh, is uh, on a lot of these exchanges there's a lot of uh, ai and just automatic trades and manipulation and you know the when when bitcoin spiked you know uh, several weeks ago and, and the crypto market in general you know, I I looked at the trading volume as somewhat suspicious, and so I I do still garner that feeling, but I do also feel that the price levels that we're at, plus or minus five hundred dollars or or a thousand dollars or so for Bitcoin is is probably in a reasonable range uh, given where we are. Um, so. Uh We'll see where things shake out there. As far as the other coins, I I have more or less the same sentiment. If you go down the top 10, top 20, they've kind of been trending in a similar fashion. Pretty well correlated. I'd say the only one that, you know, has been oddly correlated to a certain extent. I haven't actually sat down and and run the calculations. But um, I would say uh, Tezos has had, you know, a handful of decent runs here. Uh, There was an announcement uh, about Coinbase and their custody service and their staking service that uh, uh they'll do for um Tezos and that gave it a run from somewhere around 40 cents to you know 80 cents or a dollar or so and it's recently run all the way up all, all the way up to about a dollar 40 um i i still think that if you look if you listen to my previous podcast i still think that the management um for Tezos is not particularly strong i think the technical aspects maybe you know uh, technically strong, it seems like there is is a good understanding there. But from uh, adoption and marketing and dApps and smart contract usage and all of these other things, um, not particularly uh, strong at this point. But, you know, maybe that's an opportunity. Uh, maybe it's a death sentence, who knows. So w- with that said, uh, everything else, though, is, is kind of correlated and kind of operating in the same direction. And like I said, I don't I don't see anything too crazy. Um, what I am looking at now, though, is is the next wave of applications, both on-chain. So, for example, with EOS, um, I look at EOS as a high-performance. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a decentralized blockchain. I'd call it a distributed blockchain, maybe. Maybe I'm using those words uh, incorrectly. But, you know, with 21 block producers and obviously—so uh, if you're not familiar, EO- EOS has 21 block producers, and you can think of them— Somewhat analogously to the pools for Bitcoin mining or any other proof of work mining system. And so, but these, these, uh, proof of, these delegated proof of state guys in EOS, they have to have these big, beefy systems. So they have these big systems that are expensive machines and redundant and backed up and all these other stuff. So it's very expensive actually to run, you know, it's pretty expensive to just hardware-wise and operationally-wise to run the EOS network, but it has high performance because it has, you know, these these powerful machines and these fewer block producers, and so they can actually, you know, squeeze out as much speed as they can. But I'm looking at in the future, going back to my point, is what applications are being built on there. There's a lot of gambling and gaming applications. There is some uh, mail, D-mail. Uh, I recently saw for email on the blockchain I haven't dug down into, you know, what the application reason for that would be. But EOS does have a different formula where, you know, you're, you're basically locking up tokens to gain access to resources. And so I've always found that uh, particularly interesting just from a differentiation point of view and how that ends up playing out when you're, when you're kind of trading, you know, this decentralization for uh, performance you know, if you think in in the limit, you know, uh, if you just had one server, a super huge server, um, and I don't know if one's the ideal, maybe it's a few that's better or whatever, but um, if you go from a thousand nodes and redundancy and a thousand copies that have to be kept, you know, for uh, something that's more distributed to one, the thing that's one is going to be more efficient. I mean, you're going to be able to optimize one server versus, you know, a thousand servers that have to carry and operate the same and so forth. So, with with uh, EOS, they've reduced it to 21 servers plus standby um, block producers. Um, so it's 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 just a different a different place on the distributed versus performance spectrum at this point without uh, any second layer stuff. And if you and if you want to learn more about EOS, there's plenty of resources out there. Like I said, I do think it's an interesting one, and I'm looking at EOS and applications built on EOS to uh, see if there's new. Um, Uh, interesting projects there so there's that and then there's also just kind of Ethereum Um, you know a lot of what I'm looking at there is projects that are have matured like Augur or even Maker and Dai and things like that how those are building out and how those are being adopted I I, I haven't been looking too closely at new projects new ICOs it feels like that train is kind of old you know or or it's uh, that that ship has sailed if you will where you know in 2017 or whatever it was you know ico's were hot on ethereum it doesn't seem like that's as big anymore and i'm looking more for maturity of projects on those blockchains um, and then also in tandem with that the stability of ethereum and this switch to proof of stake someday whenever they decide to do that and how that shakes out and how the second layer and sharding and things like that shake out so there, in my opinion you know, Ethereum has some serious scalability issues, especially when you try and you're trying to maintain decentralization. And so, uh, as far as a lot of the projects I'm looking at, I I, I, I look at Ethereum as, you know, pretty. Uh, I don't want to use the word experimental and offend people, but you know, I think the jury's still out on where Ethereum Ethereum ends up at the end of the day, and 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 how its uh, competitors. Um, Um, kind of uh, compete with it in in what aspects so uh, that's how I kind of feel there but I am looking at the maturity of projects on there but my worry with some of those is you know the stability of Ethereum and the price and also stability of the network as there's these transitions happening and also just the scalability and uh, uh, what happens during the transition then all the projects that are built on top of it you know, other projects would be things like BAT and things like that, the basic attention token. So looking at that ecosystem uh, pretty closely nowadays, but again, at the maturity level. And I'll touch a little bit on DAI and Maker a little bit later, too. I, I do find that combination of what they're trying to do um, pretty interesting. And I'll, I'll touch briefly on that when I talk about uh, stable coins a little bit. But aside from that, you know, there's also the other currencies uh, that are more pure, like Zcash, Monero, Dash, Uh, horizon, things like that. And I am looking at those uh, as far as how those projects are developing what the roadmaps look like. I do think, you know, um, a handful of these do have certainly a future. uh, uh, As far as operation goes, I don't see any major issues. I do see some incremental uh, development, but I think it's just going to be an adoption, a global adoption thing that happens over time. And we'll see where everything shakes out for, you know, things that are more tailored towards currencies. I do think we're going to be in a multi- cryptocurrency world i don't believe that bitcoin is going to rule them all uh it'll definitely be i feel a very foundational coin i think it is already today currently being viewed as somewhat as the quote unquote the gold standard but that doesn't mean that there aren't lots of other currencies it doesn't mean there's not silver or usher other precious metals or other fiat currencies or other currency instruments or things of that nature so I do think it'll be a multi-crypto world, multipolar world, and especially as things are being able to communicate between blockchains. Once once things like that, inner blockchain communication, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not using that word uh, imp- uh, exactly as it should be, I don't believe, but uh, when blockchains are able to kind of go between one another in a very seamless fashion, I also wonder if, you know, the differentiation between each of these cryptos is less important. And it's just the fact that it's crypto at all. So if you're in crypto, you're in this whole crypto space and things move between, you know, Litecoin, Bitcoin, Zcash, whatever through, you know, somewhere on the back end and the end customer or the end users don't really know uh, too much about it. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see that abstraction. So not too much action there. Uh, but as I was alluding to before, with stable coins, they Typically pretty boring. Um, You have, you know, uh, usually the model is someone says I have a whole bunch of a billion dollars in cash and I have a billion tokens and they're, you know, each tokens backed one to one uh, and there's some stabilization mechanism, et cetera, et cetera. think Tether or USD coin, which is associated with, I think, Coinbase, USD, USDC um, is, is associated with Coinbase. I believe Tether is associated with Bitfinex. Um, I think there's true USD. I, I don't know exactly who they're associated with. And then there's Gemini, which is aso- associated with Gemini. And uh, the reserves are apparently audited, I think, by or regulated by the state of New York or something to that effect. So those guys aren't that interesting. It's basically we have dollars to back all of our coins. Not too interesting. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, other than maybe some counterparty risk as far as whether you believe that they actually have the dollars, which would uh, being, you know, some speculation is that Tether doesn't actually have all the backing that they have. That rumor has been going on for a long time. Um it's never been fully debunked or debunked at all. So we'll just kind of leave that there. But Maker and uh Dai actually present somewhat of a very interesting take on uh being a stable coin so they don't have a dollar um for every uh, die that's issued what they use is a uh, collateral a collateral debt position is what they call it and if you want to learn more about maker and die i i can't i can't give you the full details in this uh, podcast but there are plenty of resources it's actually pretty technical um, when you start getting into even just using their application the debt positions the governance fees Maker and die and how they interact with each other and governance—it's it's actually a pretty complicated thing. I'm not sure I'll get around to writing about it, but maybe at some point I'll uh, generate a podcast specifically for that and kind of the ideas behind it. And why I find that interesting is because they're attempting to stabilize and uh, and peg to a dollar. One die is one dollar um, through collateral. Uh, currently, it's a single collateral system where people will put up Ethereum. As collateral, usually I think at this point it's like 150% collateral, and you know if the price of Ethereum drops or th- other things happen, you can get like margin calls and things like that. Um, so what's interesting about it is, um, and and I, and I read this somewhere where it's it's this concept of, um, and probably broader crypto is probably the same concept, but it's this concept of decentralized finance, and 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 to me Maker and Dai feel like in a way. You know, central banking uh, to a certain extent. And I'm not saying that in a typical, you know, well, I shouldn't say typical negative light, but I'm not saying that in a negative light. I'm saying that, you know, the the maker and the die and, you know, the people involved, they're all trying to be incentivized to peg um, die to about a dollar, you know, to be stable. And it, that has some dependency on, or it does have dependency on, you know, the value of Ethereum and, and the collateral that uh, is being, is backing, uh, the system. And also it has, you know, a, a, tie to the, um, the governance structure. So maker is the governance, you know, component, if you will, who, uh, the maker holders vote on, you know, resolutions that change, uh, you know, the, collateral or the fees or whatever i don't know exactly the the components that the 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 folks get to change but it it changes you know percent you know uh it changes the the different fees and it's through this voting mechanism with maker and that changes you know just kind of how Dai is um, regulated and then there's some automatic things and there's some things that'll change over time with more automation and, and oracles and things like that um but Uh, all all of that said, you know, it does have this Achilles heel of what if Ethereum kind of blows up or it has a huge amount of volatility. Um, In the future, they're looking to add different types of collateral. and, And assuming the entire Ethereum network doesn't implode, then, you know, you know, using things like Omnis Go and things like that. They've talked about different collateral that's or different tokens on the Ethereum blockchain as collateral. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, the multi collateral system that they'll have in the future will be restricted to just Ethereum tokens, but it seems like that would be for sure the easiest. Uh, but it's an interesting kind of thing where you're using, you know, you're backing the stable coin with crypto when crypto is just kind of hanging out there. Um, you know, no pun intended, but it's hanging out there in the ether of what is the value. Um, there can be significant volatility, you know, well, how does this, how does this whole stabilization, stabilization thing works? And if it doesn't work, you know, there's actually things I think in the code that have these emergency sort of procedures. So it's complicated. It's actually quite complicated. And I still have to dig deeper into it, but it's very interesting due to its complexity and what it's trying to do and the fact that it's actually, you know, functioning reasonably well right now. It's it's, they've had some issues with the value being under a dollar, like 96 cents, 98 cents, I think today or so. And they've been having trouble getting it over a dollar. And that suggests, you know, that they need to change some of the parameters, which they voted to increase fees uh, a number of times, but that still hasn't gotten it quite to a dollar or more. And so it's, it's going to be this tuning and, and discovery process, but it also could, potentially destabilize for a a number of reasons as well. So definitely speculative. I don't know how much I trust it, but part of that is just because I don't understand the full system. It's not that I don't uh, trust it uh, any, it's not that I trust it less than, say, Tether or anything else. It's just there's more complexity to it. You know, if uh, you trust your counterparty, if you trust Coinbase or you trust Gemini or you trust Bitfinex, um, they can just say, I'll just use their, they're uh, uh, stable coins and call it good because I'm I'm not worried in my counterparty, but if you want to stay in an all crypto system or, or you don't trust those counterparties, then uh, Dai and Maker provide you know kind of a very interesting um, mechanism and something that maybe extensible to maybe other applications so that's another one that i'm that i'm very interested in is to see how that performs if stable coins like that also emerge on eos or others Uh, and now from a speculation and investment point of view there's not too much to say i mean if something's pegged at a dollar there's no return there right it's going to stay at a dollar But there are, for say things like maker and die, you know, arbitrage opportunities or uh, opportunities to help stabilize that system that are potentially cash flow sort of opportunities. And so that's that presents an interesting um, opportunity there, too. So that's what I'm interested in. The other the other thing I'm looking at and diving a bit more into is Binance chain. Now, Binance chain is a decentralized exchange. It's nothing new in concept per se because there are plenty of decentralized exchanges but what i find uh interesting about it is binance is a centralized exchange um binance coin is an is a coin that they issued that uh, had historically been used to you know um, reduce fees i believe on their on their exchange and now they've launched binance chain binance chain and you will trade in your binance coins you know and and binance uh coins will become used for the decentralized exchange for I believe either collateral or deposits or payment for listing things Um, I think it'll be used um, also in some sort of governance mechanism because people vote on uh, what coins will be listed at some point if I was reading their literature correctly I still have to go a bit deeper but the high level idea that's interesting to me is that it's kind of in my mind trying to be like the Nasdaq or the Dow for crypto to where it's not trying to do smart contracts it's not trying to do all these fancy things that's trying to be a currency within its own ecosystem and maybe it becomes a currency like bitcoin at some point too i don't i mean i don't think it'd be as strong of a brand and so forth but they're using uh bnb as a as a currency or a currency pair offering they do that now in on the centralized exchange but in the decentralized exchange they'll use that as a currency pair so you'll have bitcoin priced in uh, BNB, You'll have Ether priced in BNB. And then you could also have your, um, uh, your asset, if you list it there, priced in Ether and Bitcoin. But it, they'll all be priced in BNB, I believe. And so it creates that kind of demand for BNB to a certain extent. And then BNB, which is the Binance uh, coin, will also be used um, for fees and, I think, like I said, other things like deposits. But, again, the high-level idea is um, – that they're going to make it easy um, or at least accessible for anyone to list their coin or asset. Uh, there are some governance aspects to prevent uh, spam and some other things, or I should say governance controls, but it's an interesting idea. So anyone will be able to kind of uh, issue this uh, this security or this token. Uh, SEC probably doesn't, or people don't want to call it a security, but whatever it is, they'll be able to issue these tokens. Um Uh, And then they will have the ability to trade them. The user interface actually looks quite clean. It looks very similar to the uh, um, centralized version. It's going to be fast and all of these things. So it's a very, you know, it's interesting with the Binance brand behind it. It's interesting with the ability for lots of different people to list. Um, It's interesting in how they're trying to treat the BNB token. I don't know what that means for the value of the BNB token. So far, it's been going up. um, And it's, you know, it's increased quite a bit from where it started, a a high return. But I don't know where that shakes out at the end of the day. Obviously, if this uh, Binance decentralized exchange becomes very large, and it becomes like the NASDAQ of crypto, and crypto becomes very big, it could be very valuable, and it could be a very popular um, system. So that's something I'm actually interested in as well. And especially too, because it's not trying to compete with Ethereum or other things in a smart contract form. It's it's kind of trying to stand on its own in an area that they understand, which is exchanges. Binance understands exchanges. And so it's something to watch, something to keep tabs on, something to see what shows up there and to see how it uh, all shakes out. Next thing I want to talk about is the whole B- Bitcoin SV, which is Bitcoin cash, Satoshi's vision. Um, you know, by Craig Wright and a handful of other folks. And he claims that he's Satoshi and Satoshi or however you say it. And, uh, you know, most people call him a fraud. Just about everyone calls him a fraud. He sues people. If you call him a fraud, it was this big fiasco where we sued some, I don't know, some anonymous person who had some, you know, meme of some cat astronaut or some bullshit. I don't know. I mean, you can look into it. It's actually kind of pretty fucking ridiculous, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, people got fed up with it, you know, in the community, they called for delisting, they called him a fraud, they called all the people around him a fraud. Um, and so I think he ended up closing his Twitter account or whatever, but the bigger story, the bigger story that I want to get to briefly is, uh, Binance delisted, uh, Bitcoin SV, uh, Kraken did as well, um, Shapeshift and a handful of others, I believe. And some are also evaluating, uh, delisting it as well. So it's kind of like this. Um, you know, that people, uh, if you want to call him a fraud, I, I think he is a fraud. Um, and I think that people got fed up with that. And it's a little bit of trying to clean up, you know, some of this uh, uh, bullshit that can exist in the space. And it's it's good to see from my perspective, obviously, if other exchanges want to continue keeping the coin and, and so forth, that's fine. But, you know, it, it was kind of good, in my opinion, to see people kind of responding to what I would... I, and I don't call a lot of coins shit coins. I I, I kind of think that a lot of things have merit and value. But you know, just with Craig and and just kind of who he is, and if you just like listen, it's just like this is ridiculous. I mean, this guy's an, this guy's like a reminds you of kind of a Bit Connect. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And so. Uh, that's kind of the fiasco around that. If you've, you know, kept up with the news, that's what's happening there. Bitcoin SV being delisted from a lot of, a lot of places, not everywhere. And it still exists and it, you know, it dropped a decent amount in price. Um, and maybe it's stabilized now if people aren't, you know, up in, up in arms about it, but I, I really don't, you know, believe or have any reason to believe in that project. I can understand the gigantic block size that they're looking at, but I think their value proposition is, is moronic, um it's 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 dumb to me personally especially with all the other things out there um so that that's the that's the drama there if you really want to learn more about the drama i'm sure there's plenty of other folks on youtube and uh, uh other places where you can find the uh, the uh gossip but that's that's good to see from my opinion um in the future uh i i'll I'll kind of uh continue providing you know these kind of market updates a bit Uh, i'll also be digging into all the things that i mentioned there are interesting things happening all over uh for me i'm most interested in kind of the financial technology kind of how things are enabled new capabilities but also financial return and roi and cash flow and things like that and maybe uh in in the near future i'll take another look at uh uh, proof of stake sort of uh, uh cash flow systems where proof of stake is a big um movement right now for a lot of uh networks um delegated proof of stake with eos tezos has like they call it liquid proof of stake cardano has proof of stake ethereum shifting to proof of stake um there's a lot of debate about that about the technical and uh, uh issues with proof-, proof of stake i also have some philosophical issues with that but all of that aside um making money is always nice, or, or cash flow is always nice and, and proof of stake systems typically uh, almost always uh that I can think of off the top of my head have a cash flow component to it. And so I'll talk about that uh maybe in the next pox, podcast or in the, or in the near term. Um so with that said, uh I'll close out this podcast. Remember to check out the website at blackchain.co um Uh, for any new uh, podcasts or articles. Uh, The podcast is also on SoundCloud and also iTunes, so if you use an iPhone or Apple, um, you can just uh, subscribe to it there at Blackchain Podcast. And then there's also Twitter and Facebook. You know, I tend to post a little bit on Twitter here or there if there's any big happenings, uh, but I tend to rely on kind of these podcasts and uh, uh, any articles that I write to disseminate most of my information. But definitely on Twitter, I would uh, follow there for sure And, and on Facebook if you're inclined Uh, go for it. But with that said, I will see you next time on the blockchain podcast.